Uh, well, this is Redmond. so exciting. I know, right? It is exciting. It's happening. I think, right, so first thing I need to do is go, can everyone hear us? Please tell me if you can hear us. And is the sound okay? But I think that's it. It's happening. Uh, yeah. People are good. I've got to now wait 30 seconds, so we have to, like, talk amongst ourselves. <laughs> um, can you, here we go. Can you hear us? This is super professional, as ever. Um Right. Oh, my phone's just gone off to tell me I'm doing I'm doing RailNet. <laughs> oh, there we go. So that's it. It's, it's, it's official. Net, it's official. It's happening. Can you hear us? No. Hmm. If I go like this, can you hear us now? Yes. People are saying yes. There's lots of yeses. David Shearers is here. Ah, oh, the whole the whole the whole crew. So my favourite bit. I think I started saying this in every episode, but I forget because I have a memory like a, I have a very selective memory for these things. Um, is that like is the chat that happens at the start? Is people are just chatting up? people have been chatting away? We've got forty people just chatting away to each other in the chat already before we've even started. And here we what, are. What's the mood like in the chat room? Uh, they're just chatting away. They're, they're, as long as it's not hostile. As the, it's not hostile. People are saying there's no us yet because they don't hear Melanie. But that's just because I'm the one nattering and I haven't given Melanie a chance to say anything. Um, Melanie Osborne is here, everyone. Hooray! Hello, everybody. Woohoo! Um, postage stamp view. Yeah, okay. Everyone can see postage stamp view. Let's let's go. This is. I mean, this is it. We're 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 doing it. So I'm going to go. We're next to each other. Hooray! I've got my earphones <laughs> in because it stops echo. I have my lapel mic, and I have my. I have a cup of actually coffee. I made an instant coffee, but the co instant granules stuck together. So this is about as strong as one of Dina's um, sort of espressos that she has so where's that on the on the brown scale oh this is on this is it's about oh, i'm gonna pour it beige, my, I, yeah it's 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 pretty beige uh but it's that's only because i had to make it milky because otherwise i'd have collapsed from the amount of uh, coffee in it anyway david shearers is saying that we love signaling engineers um stevie's saying that and stevie and selby's saying they're never hostile this is a lot of a lot of signaling love going on so excellent um Fantastic. Uh, yes, yeah, so tonight, today we are going. Let's go back to the presentation with side by side. Um, today we are going to be talking about Melanie. You you came up with this title, and I absolutely love it. Which is we're getting trains from A to B without crashing into stuff or each other. I mean, there is no more simple. No, well, way. It, it, it's it's a it's a really complicated field, and it's it's <laughs> hard to boil down when you're at a party or giving a presentation to uninterested school kids. Um, so, yeah, I've been working on that one for a little while. <laughs> it's good. It's good. The only challenge I had was squeezing it onto the page. But, you know, that's that's that, that's for me as the, you know, skilled and accomplished graphic designer to stress out about. Um, so I think, I mean, let's, let's uh, at some point I'll get really slick with the production quality or I'll employ someone better than me to do it. And I think let's get started. Well, we're three minutes in to the technical time for Rail Matter. I've been talking a lot but I'm going to shut up very soon. Um, and the way that I can shut up is probably by um, getting us started. So welcome everyone to tonight's Rail Matter. And there it is, the InCity 225. Fading away, bit of either the engine cheering us up on a Wednesday evening. So yeah, we've. Um, I'm, I'm pleased to say Melanie Osborne's joined us to talk about signalling. Um, and oh, but before we talk about signalling, we have to talk about depressing stuff and the news. Uh, well, actually, it's not depressing. It, depending on what your point of view is, it's not depressing at all. So 
I'm gonna. I've moved. I've moved my buttons around, so I'm, try, I'm trying to remember what buttons what. First things first. Beaching reversals, whatever that means. The Department for Transport announced. This is the news that the, the Department for Transport have announced a, lo, a very strange and confusing list of things that they're going to reinstate, including several lines that currently exist and run passenger services. So um, we're going to be talking about beaching next week. There's, we could talk for hours about this and unpack it, but that's been announced. Go and have a look at it. More interestingly, from Melanie is news about trains and particularly trains that they're fitting ETCS equipment into, which we'll talk about maybe later, will we? Perhaps. Um, so this is DB Cargo or DB, whatever they're called now, DB UK, have just put out a contract to fit the rest of their train fleet with ETCS equipment. So that's in-cab signaling equipment, right, Melanie? Uh, absolutely, yep. Yep, lovely. Where, where are these trains running? So, these, so this is their whole freight fleet. So there's loads of Class 66s and... 47s and all, all the kind of freight fleet and DB run the largest freight kind of locomotive fleet uh, UK wide. So I think they're running, they're, they're preparing them for the fit uh, so that they will be able to run on parts of the network that will start being ETCS enabled. So which I think is still other than the Cambrian line next to my parents. I think that's still basically the southern end of the East Coast Main Line, um, which will be the first um, proper rollout. Although I don't know how long. Anyway, we'll, we'll get there, right? We'll get there. We'll um, get there. We'll get there. I don't want to. I don't want to hog with the news. But the other news is also signalling news. Um, is that uh, Alstom uh, in Germany have been trialling what's known as level three ETCS, or kind of a bit like the DLR, the Docklands Light Railway in London, where there's no driver necessarily. Well, they're trialling this in in Germany now. They're planning to trial it in a sort of a protected environment, but with service trains with passengers in it which is quite exciting, because I thought this was a bit further away, to be honest. Uh, closed system, fine, but regional railway is a bit more interesting. So, yes, the news. Um, yeah, right. So that was, that was the news. I'm not going to do... I'd always end up taking about 15 minutes of the news. I'm not going to do that this time. I'm gonna, I've now talked relentlessly, and you've not said anything. So, Melanie, tell us, tell us, tell us about yourself. Tell us uh, what, what your background is, what you, some of the things you've been up to, and introduce yourself to the Rail Natter hubbub. Um, well, I worked in a call centre for a lot of years and um, I decided that I wanted to be an engineer because working in a call centre is an awful job. And um, I, I happened to be on my third choice of work experience and I met a guy who um, who was setting up a rail consultancy and he, we had a nice chat about the Beatles. And he said, <laughs> do you like the Beatles? And I said, yeah, yeah. Who doesn't like the Beatles? And then he said, do you want to come and work for me? And I said, yeah, all right. Um, and, and I don't know how many years later, 18 years later, I'm, I'm still a rail signaling engineer. And that, that was one of the happiest accidents of my life. It was, uh, um, I, I love rail signaling engineering. It's, it's, um, it's never boring. Mm. It's never dull. Yeah. And I, thinking about this presentation that I've, I've been working on and coming on here, I realise there is such a lot I still don't know, mm. and, I, and I'm, you know, I've got 18 years' experience, and I'm quite frankly dreading the questions because I, I think I, it will be I don't know to a lot of them because it, it's so massive. Um, and it's and it's yeah. a constantly diversifying field. I mean, railway engineering more broadly is constantly diversifying, but signalling particularly, it's going through quantum surges in sort of development and changes and 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 sort of yeah. Well, you you spoke about ETCS and. In my mind, it's it's like 
nuclear fusion it's it's always 40 years in the future mm. it's it's always around the corner but the, you know we're, we're never we're never quite getting there so i'm, I'm fascinated about this um this Schenker initiative to fit their their fleet with it because that's that's lovely but i think one of the bar the, one of the bars to actually rolling out ects over the whole country is that it's too expensive to fit it inside the trains yep um so i i'm i'd love to know what they know that yeah. uh, rail signalers well, Don't network, yeah, network rail have paid for it. So network rail have paid a huge. So they're paying DB as a trial, as DB is the biggest freight thing. I think they're trying to, because it's that momentum, isn't it? So ETCS, yeah. uh, well, that's European Train Control System. Is that right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So this is part of the wider package of of, of the the three. So signalling, I suppose railways. Oh, you know what? I'm going to shut up. Um, because we've got, so I've got in my head like the three C's, which used to be S, what was called S and T, and now it's com, 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 command, control, and communication. Is that right? Is that right? The three C. Anyway, and that's what we they still call it S and T. Yeah, well, this is it. Maybe this is starting in the north and working south. Yeah, in the real, uh, it's still S and T in the real railway. Anyway, right. So let's go back to the presentation. Let's shall we? So there's there's that nice um, regional railway train. So, oh crikey. We have a picture. Okay, right. So I'm, I'm excited. So we, we, with, without further ado, um, we've got, yeah, kick us off with, with talking about moving trains around without them bumping into each other and well, stuff. Yeah. So um, on Saturday, I was sitting at my desk thinking, right, I'm doing a, sign- a signaling presentation. I, I've, I've done lots of signaling presentations, but never a presentation to a willing audience. I've done lots of <laughs> School kids, brownies, university students, careers fair stuff, uh, but never, never to a willing audience. And I, I didn't have any pictures of signals. And I was actually on the Dorman catalogue thinking, can I steal this image to stick in my presentation? <laughs> and it, I, I had a, a stroke of genius. And I thought I'll ask um, the S&T Facebook group if anybody's got any pictures of signals. And my phone just went berserk with people um, <laughs> hitting me with literally hundreds of pictures of amazing signals and, and trying, trying to whittle it down to, I don't know how many we've got here. Uh, le- less than a hundred was, it was, it was quite something. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so the, these are all generously donated and we, we've got everything from the Victorian right up to the, the very modern, um, LED signals that are capable of displaying multiple colours, and yeah, we, we've got pretty much every every permutation there of of wonderful signals. Mm. Um, and uh, in my job, I've I've been continuously employed doing many interesting projects, but I, I've never really done any signals. I've done I've done a couple of renewals, but. Um, opportunities for going out on site and taking pictures of signals have, have been very few and far between so so thank you um s&t facebook group yeah. for, for all these <laughs> amazing signals um yeah, yeah there's, all, there's was, all sorts there so yeah see my experience as a p-way engineer the main thing i do with signals is try and avoid knocking the head off them with a train so i, <laughs> I like doing gauge clearance with signals is pretty much most of what i do and the occasional speedboard positioning so uh, I don't get much signaling action either, which because it's the fun you make colourful lights, right? That's it's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, what? What? Yeah. What's so hard about that? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and the, the answer is it, it, it is really hard. You've um, you've got to consider so many things. Um, 
Can we have the next slide, actually? Oh, yeah, go for it. So so on this slide, we had pictures, all sorts of different sort of gantries and little discs with a thing on them. And, and, and the, the, I quite like these, the, the little one with a, with a dot on the front, the, the simple one that multi, does multi-aspect, I think, or multiple yeah. colours, but it's on a little... It's quite an American-looking thing, actually, but I quite like those. Um, yeah, it's fantastic, and it comes on a trunnion, so it, it, it sort of... Uh, falls, so you can look after it, which is very important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. you don't have to go up a ladder. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, which gets rid of the annoying ladders, which are uh, which then have a padlock on them anyway, yeah. So, right, next slide. This is Tonight is all about digressing, as <laughs> Melanie, I've seen you pop up before on RailNet, so you know full well what you've got yourself into, so yeah. I don't feel too bad about that. Um, oh, these are nice. Yeah, well, the, these are just the the really pretty signals. Um, uh, the the main the largest one there with the the um, at the top with the you can see the hoods, which is is really nice. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. So you um, your train driver needs to see um, the aspect from a long way away, and you can't be having um, uh, the sun um, blocking yeah. it out or, or blinding you. So so those are some quite long hoods on that one. Um, yes. But yeah, these are just aesthetically pleasing signals with sunsets behind them. <laughs> <laughs> the sunsets and snow are like, yeah, they're on point. Yeah. It's very good. And the the uh, the one in the bottom left corner that is uh, that's got a, what we call a feather on it. So mm. that is, um, you'll have a route straight ahead, or if the feathers lit up, that means you'll be going in that direction. You'll be taking you'll be taking a route, and that often means slowing down. Mm. Um, so um, signals. Uh, they um so i mean everybody here knows the 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 thing about railways is that trains run on lovely smooth wheels on, on lovely lovely smooth rails and they can't stop very easily they can't stop when they see something in front of them they have to have a, a very long um uh what's the word i'm looking for they just need a big spacing don't they i mean head, a yeah, big lot, space big space yeah so you've got a thousand tons of train going 125 miles an hour, and the rule of thumb is it's a mile and a half to stop. Mm. Um, people that do schemes work these things out minutely, but um, 125 miles an hour, mile and a half to stop, is uh, is not unreasonable. And of course, you're you're trying to cater for all different trains. You've got mm. very lightweight little pacer trains and 2,000 ton freight trains, and you've you've got to fit all those on on your network. So, so signals are performing a lot of functions. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I mean, these two pictures, both, both these two slides, it's just the variety of signals available. It's not just that there are different um, kind of styles and manufacturing uh, kind of. And, and I think, in fact, I've, I've got a question while we've got these ones up related to that, which is, um, are there still lots of different regional variations in the type of signal used? Like, is there still preference across the like different preferences across the country? I, well, I don't honestly know, but my suspicion is yes, because it it goes on the, the network rail RAM is very influential. Mm -hmm. And if they really like a particular piece of equipment or don't like it, then um, they, they wouldn't want it on their, their on their patch. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the root. So that's the asset manager, the root asset manager, the, the yes. network rail RAM. Um, yeah, and that's right. And they're um, and so they're yeah. It's the same for track. What, what they say essentially goes. Yeah, they're very much in charge of, uh, very much in charge of what the infrastructure looks like because they're really the ones that are that are get told off when it breaks. So they they're quite. It's quite important that they're happy with the infrastructure you're giving them. If you're like if you're giving them if you're a designer or a, or it's developing some change to the network, they have to like it. 
Um, and and, and the, the other thing is these things change so slowly. So in 20, almost 20 years of doing this job, I've, I've done a couple of replacements. I've, I've not been involved in any big re-signalling mm. um, because, because this stuff's built to last. Yeah. And that, that's why we have so much Victorian kit left around because the Victorians, as you know, really went for it yeah. and <laughs> bequeathed this amazing system. Yeah. And, um, it's... And, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, yeah. And and I suppose we're going to get to this in a later slide, but broadly, I suppose, signalling principles are a bit like the fundamentals of, of, of track infrastructure. And actually, the reason why signalling sort of is still doing the same thing it did when it was first introduced is because actually the basic principles are pretty sound uh, in keeping your trains apart from each other. Um, yeah. So, so, so shall we? Yeah. So, so we've got some nice pictures of snow. There's some a signal there with with different coloured lights on it. I know these so, are all these are all red, which is good because it means they've yeah. all been taken during possessions. <laughs> Just, if there was someone taking a picture from the six foot and everything was green, I think we might need to. That might be. Yeah, right. we might yeah. need to make a phone call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you've got your train running along, hopefully seeing green signals all the way. You don't you don't want it to crash into anything on the same line. Um, uh, you don't want it to be struck by a train joining the line. Um, you don't want it to hit a. Uh, car or person on a level crossing mm. you have to regulate the speed so it's going at the correct line speed especially over points and through stations and you need it to you need it to stop at the station um or hopefully not in between stations we aim for not in between stations but i suppose we've all yeah. been on trains and you know, um, the signals need to human error um, make them fail we need to make them fail safe and um, we hope that they do a right side failure. Does that, do you think everyone knows what a right side failure is? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Oh, so we've got a bit of echo in, in the sound there. Man. So the, the right side failure is the inconvenient one, the one where you're stopped at red. And hopefully most of our failures are right side failures. Something's gone wrong somewhere, the signal goes red and the train stops. Um, a wrong side failure is when something dangerous happens and something has gone wrong, the signal hasn't gone red. And you, you have a train in a dangerous position. That's a wrong side failure. Yep. Um, sorry, we've got a bit of an echo on the audio there, Melody. Is it? Is there? A, has something changed on the sound? Because it wasn't doing it before. Just on this. Um, nothing. My end, I don't think. Oh, okay. Um, I'll just check that. I'm. What am I doing? Is everyone? Is, is anyone else getting an echo through on the sound? Yeah, I think you, you, your sound cut out briefly. We, we got. I think we heard everything you were saying there. Very briefly cut out, but I think we're okay. Um, so everyone's following that, which is good. And the echo stopped, which is good as well. So that's that's fine. Um, yeah, so do you want me to go to the next slide then, Melanie? Um, oh, yes, please, yeah. Yeah, so. Ah, right. A diagram. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've rationed I, I don't pixels well on this. here. <laughs> um, so so the, the signals that we've just been looking at they are part of a fixed block system. So you'll probably most of the audience will be aware that in the first days of trains, they used to run them on the timetable. So you have a train leaving at clock face um, interval, maybe every half hour and half an hour elapses, they send out the next train. And the, ob the obvious danger here is if the train breaks down or isn't moving as fast as it should, the train behind is going to smack into it. Um, now, the wonderful one of the, one of the many wonderful things about signalling engineers and I guess rail engineers is that we learn from our mistakes. Yeah. And yeah. Um, 
the the early years of uh, train travel weren't the safest. Um, and I'm, I'm really pleased to say that we have one of the, the safest railway systems in the whole world at the moment. And um, nobody has died for a considerable amount of years um, as a result of um, railway systems. Um, but it wasn't always the case. So um, not long after um, we started running tra trains around our, our wonderful railways, we came up with the idea of signals. And um, rather than having a, uh, or le leaving it to chance, um, and signals form a fixed block system. So you, you carve the, the network up with lights and you don't pass a red light. Um, but the problem with this is that how many how many blocks do you want to carve it up into? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's nice to have really long blocks. So you've got um, very, very few signals and track circuits to uh, um, to maintain and fewer things to go wrong. But if you want to get more trains on, you want smaller blocks. Um, and ideally, if we look at the bottom slide, if we really squint into the screen, yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> now this is what ETCS will be. Um, it will be a, it will be a moving block, so you won't have lights on the side of the of the railway. You will have a system of um, Belize's little um, receivers in between the rails, and the the whole and the system will know where the train is at all at all times. It's in cab signalling, and the train will be the block, and the train behind it will be following at just beyond braking distance. So that little um, blue curve there is the braking curve of the train. Mm. And um, all trains have different braking characteristics. Freight trains will take a lot longer to stop than, than little trains. So you can get many more little trains in, in your moving block system and, and even more freight trains. Um, uh, and it's a fantastic system. I can't wait for it to... Um, when it to, does eventually uh, appear, yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm not holding my breath. And in all honesty, I, I think it might not happen in my career. Um, I, I would love to be proved wrong, though. Yeah, yeah. On the on certainly on the existing network. Um, yeah, it's it, it's that there are a lot of hurdles to still jump through, and most of them aren't technical. They're political and sort of organisational more than the you know the. the... Yeah. Well. Well. Um... Politics, politics thinks very short term. It, it thinks on elections and uh, network rail have these control periods, which are, which are longer than the electoral cycle. So to, to get money for a, a project that nobody's going to get credit for that's currently running for election <laughs> is, is difficult, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the, it's the drum that, that I keep banging about the fact that the only way, the main problem the railways have is they don't have a plan at all. And this very much feeds into it. If you don't have a plan for delivering um, a, a massive strategic change to the, the infrastructure of the railway like this, but also to the rolling stock fleet, uh, it's just not, never going to happen. You need, you need the right people the right, in the right place, and without a long-term plan, you can't do that. So we've had a few questions, if I may. Oh, yeah, 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 right. yeah So um, we had a good question from... Um, let's, oh, in fact, we've had a couple of interesting questions about, let's see, uh, block size. So, um, and I think you partially answered this already. But, um, Matt Reed asks if, if there's a set block size. It depends on the route. Um, I'll be I'll be talking a little bit more about it Ooh, okay, in yeah. a in a in a few slides time. But um, 
if you've got a nice big deserted piece of railway, like the wilds of East Anglia, um, that you don't want to push many trains through, then you can you can have nice big blocks. But in, in somewhere congested where you want to cram lots of trains through very complicated movements, um, like like Birmingham New Street, you want you want the smallest blocks possible to to cram as many trains in. Yeah, and yeah, so um, and then kind of feeding into that, uh, Michael C asks, uh, could a really long train occupy two blocks at once? How would the signalling system react to that? That, that, is, that is a really good question. Um, we're going to talk about track circuits in a minute. Um, hang on, let's uh, let me see where my my slides are. Yeah, um, can I answer that one when we come to? Yeah, track we'll, we'll solve that. We'll, we'll save that one up because it's a, it's a good yeah, it's a good one. Um, uh, oh, so there's okay. So I'm so Matt Reed has asked a question about so which which I, which I'm going to answer, which is about how much more capacity a moving block gives the existing railway. Um, and well, I mean, Melanie, you, you might have a, a view on that one, um, but I suppose mine is it depends. So, for example, at the southern end of the West Coast Main Line, basically zero, because the the existing fixed block signalling is so good that you have such short headways that actually the ETCS won't make a difference. I think the the change in from green to red is about ninety seconds on the West Coast Main Line at full speed, which is tiny. Um, in some areas, it'll make much more of a difference, like ten the, the to fifteen percent. Sorry. Yeah, no, go on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the um the one the one they put on the glossy brochure is you can get forty percent more out of our existing <sighs> infrastructure. Yeah. Um. So all of the people take your cynical hat off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Forty percent. Uh, yeah. Mm. I, I suppose if you were going to introduce it in East Anglia, as you've just been describing, maybe. But uh, no, I think about ten percent is is a good average. Uh. As for certainly from the people I've seen, so from the people I've seen who are timetable planners and have looked at the modelling for it, it seems like there's a lot of optimism about ETCS. But the reality is that to get lots of, lots more trains running, you need more steel as much as upgrading the signalling system. Um, anyway, right. It's very good. Moving block is about, it's useful for all sorts of reasons other than just pure capacity, of course. Um, uh, like traffic management, for example, you can... You can um, yeah anyway i digress the only reason i answered that one uh, directly is because it's uh it comes up a lot and i think uh etcs and ertms are the future because we don't have enough signaling engineers to replace everything with fixed block <laughs> traditional signaling so we have to do something different anyway right uh, well I, I really i really welcome the direct the digression actually because i i work um in an office with signaling engineers and um we don't we don't we're all in our silos Hmm. And occasionally we'll have a chat with the guys that work on the electric and power side, but we don't actually have any PY engineers or <sighs> timetable planners in our office. So and that's that's why this is such a lovely, lovely forum to come on, because you're getting questions and information that you wouldn't otherwise get. Yeah. So you've got David Shearers uh, of Rail Engineer fame, uh, amongst other things, pointing out that moving block is great for, for metros and for kind of... Uh, similar performance systems but it it does uh, on a mixed traffic railway um infrastructure configuration is as important as as a as a, as, as a kind of moving block and this it's about, i mean as you know yourself the railway is a system you, you what you, you can't just improve one thing expected to fix everything it's like a lot of people say both of us here we both support electrification but electrification doesn't solve all the problems um you know I, i'd happily you know 
I don't know, what P-Way stuff is there? No one ever does anything nice for P-Way. You know, you could create grade-separated junctions everywhere. That wouldn't solve all the problems either. Um, although it would put me in work for the rest of my life. Uh, <laughs> so, right, uh, fixed block, moving block. Would you like to move the next to the next slide, Melanie? Yes, please, yeah. Cool, right, here we go. Oh, crikey, yep, right. Learning. <laughs> yeah, we have a picture. So on, 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 on the screen now, we have many crashes. Well, this is, this is all the same crash. Oh, is this is this all? Um, ah, right. This okay. is all Quintus Hill. Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as as I mentioned earlier, I, I mainly talk to audiences of young people, and something that really grabs the attention of young people is death and gore. So <laughs> they, they they always remember this bit and start to look a bit perkier when I when I talk about rail crashes. <laughs> um, so Quintus Hill was 1915. It's the worst. Um, train crash ever in, in the British Isles. More than 200 people died. Um, as you can see, top left there. I'm a terrible signaling engineer. I'm going to write this down. I've put left and right. I, I have real difficulty with left and right. Oh, I have to top do this left. every time. I literally have to look at my hand with the L symbol to work out which one's <laughs> left. I just have no idea which is left or right. The thing is, I, my, my son showed me this and I, I said, I'm looking at it and either of them could be correct. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, top top left, you'll notice that the carriage is on fire. The, the carriage is made of wood. It's a troop train. Um, you, you've actually got um, a an express, a local train, a troop train, and uh, another train. It's it's a four train pileup. Um, the troop train was made of wood. They they made a lot of carriages very quickly for the war effort, um, and they lit it by gas. So so what was already a horrible crash involving four trains got a lot worse when the carriages caught on fire and of course this is in days before telephones um air ambulances any, any kind of uh, emergency services so these these trains crashed as a result of um the inquest found that it was um the guys in the signal box not really paying attention to the rules um they were they were they bent or broken a few rules, and it's it's the um, the Swiss cheese model of all, all the different things that they've done wrong. All the holes in the Swiss cheese have lined up, and there's a there's a horrific train crash. Um, and there's this enormous bang, trains are on fire, and people ran from the local village and farms to see what the fuss about was, and then they ran back to their farms to get saws so that they could come back and cut people from the wreckage because there's this enormous tangled um, fiery wooden metal mess with people trapped in it. And it's a really tough call. Would you, would you rather have your leg amputated or burned to death? So, so there were, you know, amputations going on on site. Um, and one of the, or the, the main recommendation to make sure this never happens again from the inquiry was that track circuits are introduced now track circuits had been invented at this point oh, okay but um they were they were newfangled technology and um i i guess a lot of the the railway companies didn't really see the need yet but th this this accident was a key factor in rolling out track circuits which which form the basis of our signaling systems today um may i have the next slide please? oh yeah sure <laughs> Oh, I like this. So this is, I see lots of gubbins on screen right now. <laughs> dusty, dusty gubbins. 
I love this dusty gubbins. I I adore it. Um, when when I was at university, I did um, I did a degree in electronic and electrical engineering, and I imagine myself working at Hewlett Packard and doing something involving flashing lights. <laughs> and this was all a complete revelation when I came to work on the railway. Top right there, we have state of the art Westplex system right next to Bakelite um, relays. <laughs> yes. um, the, the, I mean, it is. It's a sharp contrast. It really is. It's brilliant, it, though. Yeah, I, I yeah. Um, say, this is this on the railway. This is this is what part of what makes it so fun, right? Is that you're working in this. You know, I, I'm I'm working on. You know, I've got one one side. I've got slab track, state of the art stuff going in, whatever it happens to be. And then I'm transitioning it. I've got some junction. I'm transitioning it off onto like timber sleepers with bullhead, and the, <laughs> and the rails are from 1947 or something. You know, it's it's this is part of the it's part of the fun and part of the challenge. It's great. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, the top left there, we've got some shelf type relays, um, and uh, I think they were state of the art in the 1930s, and they are interfacing with a um, a lever a lever signal box. Uh, with a lever frame system so um we've really got all the generations here uh bottom right is a tdm cabinet that is fitted in a lever frame and the tdm brings a signal from the next mechanical signal bo box up sorry i should have explained that a lever frame is one of the old mechanical signal boxes mm. um gareth do you find that sometimes you you can't remember what it's like not to know anything about railways <laughs> yeah when it just sort of courses through your veins and you have to sort of step back i suppose yeah yeah I'd, i i do my I, I when i'm teaching is when you is you, you there's like a reset switch but then you, you've got to kind of you can't go too far what i find is the middle ground of like talking like i've just forgotten the, the english language and and talking like I'm speaking to someone who knows lots more than me about railways. I find that grey area is quite tricky to pick a spot <laughs> um, when I'm teaching. So, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Is, so TDM, is that the same TDM as in, like, is that time division? Or what does TDM stand for? So it's... it's. Uh, oh, you cut out of it. Was that time division multiplexing? It is, yeah. Yeah. Um, a long string down the line. And uh, encoding it at one end and decoding it on the other end, but th this this very fancy um, box of flashing lights is taking a signal from a mechanical signal box um, up the line, bringing it to the mechanical signal box that it is situated in, and it is ringing a brass bell <laughs> for the signaler. It, it's got a little. Um, it's attached to a relay and it, and it, and it dings a, a brass bell. Mm. Um, so I mean, that, that's one of the, the wonderful things about signaling engineering, all railway engineering, that you're interfacing the old and the new. Yeah. Um, and bottom, bottom left is something I'm doing at the moment on London Underground. And this is a 1968 control panel for a, um, a tube train depot. And... Um, it is it is falling to pieces, and I'm involved in uh, doing a um, what's it called a programmable logic controller system Ooh. to replace it. Um, and it, it won't be as pretty as it. Can you see it's got a little um, a little clock at the top? Uh, oh yeah, right in the mid. So in the middle of the image in the bottom left uh, yeah. is a little clock. Yeah. Yeah, the hands have fallen off. Isn't that adorable? <laughs> <laughs> Oh. So we've so, got lots of people asking. So in fact, we've got people 
people are really enjoying this slide. There's a lot of love in this slide. In fact, there are a lot of we've got a lot of people who must have been working on some of this kit. We've got people yeah. asking if this is Northumberland Park depot panel on the bottom left. It might be. <laughs> it might be. There's a potential that Melanie's contractually obliged not to answer some of these. In fact, um, there, there, yeah, lots of people. There's a lot of love for this slide, people, and people are enjoying the the, the aesthetics of, of. And I suppose the, to an extent, you're replicating. I mean, you're replicating stuff for a, for an existing signalling workforce, so you don't want it to look too radically different. Even if you're moving from like a bakelite or, or yeah. a wooden painted enamel panel to something on a computer screen. Yeah. Uh, um, totally. I mean, I mean, the the uh, depot control system that that will actually be moving onto a computer screen, yeah. but we are we are in the design. We're taking into account what what is already there and trying to replicate that on a computer and mouse system. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's... And that, that's one of the, another another reason why you don't want to upgrade everything because there's a lot of training mm. mm -hmm. um, for for not only your operators but also your maintainers and and, and it's and in fact this comes not that i want to keep coming back to thinking about the future in etcs but I, I think possibly the main challenge is actually in training drivers between both systems because actually you need more drivers than you need to operate this steady state of the railway just like a lot of the challenges we've had on the timetable problems and, and the, the meltdown in december last year of timetable yes, related yeah. to, to, to the, the interface between drivers trained on some stock and trained on other stock that's just going to yeah. be like that but tenfold with, yeah. if you've got everything shifted anyway yeah so, so someone told me a lovely thing about train drivers apparently they any idiot can drive a train but it's the stopping that's the hard bit <laughs> That's that's the way the genius takes place. <laughs> yeah, that's where the genius and the skill takes place. Yeah, that's very much. And in fact, we've got a few train drivers on here who can probably relate to that. Um, uh, hello to all of our um, train drivers uh, or train engineers if you're in the US. Although that name makes no sense in North America. Stop calling your train drivers train engineers. What do you call <laughs> your engineers? Anyway, uh, right. Uh, so, so, so um, this is all part of um, going back to Quinton's Hill. Yeah stuff evolving um and we're, we're trying to take where we can the human out of the equation um because uh i don't know if you know about safety integrity levels but uh a lot a lot of the new systems are safety integrity level four which is like really safe nuclear submarine mm. standard safe whereas humans are safety integrity level zero <laughs> um so we, we try we try and cut out the the human element um, for all the for all for all the unionized people watching, that's not because, just like the Luddites, it's not because we want to displace you entirely from your work. It's because we don't want people, we don't want the man blaming you for accidents. So if if the you know the capitalist in charge can easily blame you if if you're if you're an integral part of the signaling <laughs> system. Um, yeah, well, I I don't see that there is going to be any shortage of work for people on the railway in years to come. Um, Maybe I've just gone through the looking glass, but I, I honestly think railways are the, the future. Mm. And, and people are voting with their feet up until, obviously, the current situation. Ridership is, is higher than it's ever been. And trains are running more on time than they, they've ever been. Yeah, it's like the, the COVID situation is an interesting one. And I, I know some people, some com rail commentators have got very excited and think it's, 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 we're going to have beaching too and it's going to be a complete shambles and catastrophe. That just isn't. I just cannot see a world where that is accurate. We have a climate catastrophe 
ongoing. It's impacting this country right now. It's impacting lots of others. People are realising that. People are aware of it. As you say, people have been voting with their feet. You know, the rider, despite the fact that we have fewer nine to five commuters, so season season travel is reduced. The people, the number of people who buy season tickets is reduced. Rail ridership has increased. It's actually increasing the number of people who travel by train because they've got more flexibility. They're maybe doing. A, so yeah, we're going to have much more. And then this crisis, I've gone on, I've digressed again, Melanie. I'm so sorry. It's um, all right. Isn't it? This I can bring up that I'm supposed to be in in Brussels today with my family, but uh, <laughs> our Eurostar. <laughs> but this, it's okay because they they've given us a voucher and we can go. Uh, we can go. We can go afterwards. Yeah. And afterwards, this is an opportunity. Yeah. Actually, there's a, an opportunity. So f- there are two things. Firstly, um, freight has rail freight has has the demand has soared and and it's shown how good it is during this crisis because we have a chronic logistics driver shortage. You know, this is a running theme. Skilled people, we don't have many of them in this country anymore. Yeah. Um, we don't have many HGV drivers. There's a massively diminishing pool, and they're all uh, fifty plus basically. So it's a real problem that the industry has, and the rail industry, rail freight, helps that by the fact that you you're not hauling one HGV load with one driver. You're hauling. 80 HGV loads with one driver. That's a major saving. Um, so freight is is great. That's gonna and then post COVID, uh, how are we gonna change that? We're gonna rebaseline more freight, change the balance a bit. I think probably we will, which will only increase the stresses and demands on the railway. The other point is um, this is an opportunity for us as the railway. Once co- lockdowns start to send, you know, normality starts kind of coming back. It's the time for us to say, actually, come to the railway. It's great. This is the t- and, and you know there was already that. A reduction in the number of people flying across Europe thanks to um, Greta Thunberg. I think that momentum is only going to continue afterwards. People have really enjoyed their city centres being free of cars. Um, I think there's just that momentum. It's, it's a good. It's a good time. Anyway, I've digressed again, Melanie. <laughs> it's it's uh, okay. I was, I was banking on you digressing. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so the the kit we have on the railway at the moment, more than half is more than thirty years old. Um, I, I would have guessed that it was more than that, but I read it on the internet, so uh, so it must be true. Yeah. Uh, right. I think I'm ready for for my next slide. Oh yes, yeah, go for it. Um, I really enjoyed that slide. Oh, and they only get better because now we've got the. Oh, these are good. These are some cracking. So. so... And uh, I'd like to say that most of these are pictures that I have um, of, of that I've taken on site visits. Ah. Um. The the top left there. I went to King's Cross, um, and that, that, was, that was one of the most exciting, exciting hours of my life. Being in the uh, in the signal box at King's Cross, and I, I wanted to stand there like an idiot taking selfies. <laughs> yeah. I was too scared. <laughs> I, it's just it's a sort of dimly lit room full of very serious people doing a, a very tricky job, and I, I was just there to take a picture of the the panel there, the light blue one that you can see. Yeah. Um, because we were, I've been, I've been working on the Gospel Oak to Barking electrification, ah, okay. and we needed to make some new Henry Williams. Oh, no, yeah, no, we needed to make panel overlays. So we needed to make a sheet of plastic to show where the electrification is on the new setup, and it, the, the sheet of plastic needed to fit on the on the signal uh, on the console at King's Cross. So I had to go there with my my six inch ruler and. T- take some photographs of it to, to check we got the measurements right yeah it was it was really exciting so th- this is this is the um the interface this is this is where our wonderful railway signals um are controlled from and um, we are we've got lots of different kinds um the, the top two 
are um, root relay uh, interlockings, um, and they are run on um, relays that weigh kilogram. Uh, and they're, they're, they're called miniature relays. When you write a spec now, you still say, and we'll have six uh, BR specs, 960 miniature relays. And, and of course, they were miniature compared to the yeah. sort of black ones on the, um, on the previous slide. They, they were miniature and, and the name stuck. Um, and they work by person pressing a button for the entrance and selecting an exit, setting a route, and behind the, the scenes, um, which we'll see on the, on the next um, panel, you've got something that looks like uh, Colossus at Bletchley Park, um, an electromechanical brain that is locking out. It's the interlocking. It's it's giving permission or saying, no, I'm sorry, you can't do that because we've got a train there. So that that is taking the um, the human out of... Uh, taking taking the uh, I'm struggling for words here. Uh, taking the human out of the equation. Yeah. So the, the human is making a choice, but the computer can say no. Yep. Um, and w will not allow you to set that route. Um, bottom left is a state of the art network rail ROC regional operating centre that works on computer based interlockings. Um, Hang on, what have I got to say about computer-based Now, this, that, I'm looking at that. Is that... Uh, what route is that? Mm, I'm you trying know, to recognise the station of, layout, but actually I can't. That's one of the ones that I did steal off the internet, so I, no, I, no, I honestly don't know. Oh, it looks, it looks nice. Anyway, that's, for me, that's quite familiar, because you see the, 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 ROC, the, the, rock, the network rail rock panels... The works, the workstations. They call them workstations, don't they? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, that style is very familiar now. The black screen with the with the with the, the cyan and the white text and lines all over it. Um, yeah, that's and it's almost because that even that is based on what the original, um, you, uh, the kind of the original oh, what's it called the, the the original solid state interlocking that was introduced on the East Coast Main Line looked yeah. like that, and so all the new stuff now replicates th that look. And so there's this kind of this lineage of sort of how this stuff looks to the operators that kind of you can trace right back to the, you know, to 150 years ago. It's quite something. Yeah, I, I, I actually love it. Um, so that that would be that would be run by something like a, a West Lock or a Smart Lock. Um, and those are all connected together by Ethernet cables on that, that Internet. Um, and at the other extreme, we still have hundreds of these yeah. these lever frame signal boxes. That I know you're very fond of. Yeah, we had Tim. Tim, when Tim was on a, a few episodes ago, he was showing us his pictures inside um, Seven Seven Junction. In, you know, inside the famous Shrewsbury yeah. uh, mechanical signal box, and, and yeah, with all the with all the levers just stretching off into you know, into the distance. Um, and there are loads. I don't know. Do you know how many there are in the UK? Is that a stat that's sort of easy to? I, um, I, I understand it's hundreds. It, I, I thought it was loads. Like hundreds sounds a bit loads because it's there's a lot to get rid of <laughs> and, yeah and, and quite well few... the victorians really went for it didn't they yeah. <laughs> they didn't have a population of 70 million and not in my back garden they didn't have any of that and they had buckets of money because when the victorians were, were building railways they were really excited because nobody had ever traveled that fast before and people were just throwing money at them weren't they yeah 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 um so 
Labor, so, yeah. was, labor was cheap and you could build things really quickly and easily. Without, without any of this health and safety gone mad nonsense. Eh? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who wants to save workers and stop people from dying? I know. God. And thousands of people died making it. Yeah. I, I, I do find it maddening that people turn their noses up at, you know, oh, God, I can't believe I've got to wear a hard hat. Yeah. Thousands of people died up until this moment. There's a reason you're wearing a hard hat and boots. <laughs> yeah, if anyone ever, well, I always say, if anyone goes, if anyone uses the phrase health and safety gone mad, give them either a verbal or a physical slap. Uh, <laughs> because we, you know, we're, we're now, I mean, we've had a couple of fatalities on for Network Rail recently, very tragically. But for, for quite a while, we had a couple of years with zero fatalities, uh, worker fatalities on the, on the railway, which if you consider that even 30 years ago, it was dozens you know, it was yeah. still a lot of people being killed every year on the railway. It's an incredible. It's incredible. We have a phenomenally safe system. It's why, yeah. Oh, I've got. I've got up on my soapbox again. <laughs> but a lot of people talk about roads, and, and there are all sorts of environmental reasons why roads are bad. But one of the main reasons why the future is not to continue to drive. You know, electric vehicles are not a panacea, is because that doesn't take the human. As you've talked about the human equation. The trouble with highways is that they're an entirely human-operated system. And uh, ignore the nonsense about autonomous vehicles. It's a load of rubbish. Um, people are still going to be driving cars in the future and they're going to crash into each other and kill each other. We kill nearly two... Well, in fact, what is it? It's, it's about 1600s. We're yeah, running at about 1600s. A year uh, who are killed. And I think it's about 25,000 or maybe 16,000 a year uh, in total are killed and very seriously injured. It's just huge numbers it annually is, it is, in the UK. I, I found out the answer the other day to something that had been bothering me for a long time, which is why rail crashes are such huge news. And it, it's it's because it, they're, they're just not commonplace. Mm. Um, I, I, it, it always sort of got under my skin that there's, there's a... Well, there are very, very rarely any fatalities these days. I think the last one was Grey Rig. Yep, yep. Um, but... Um, yeah, it's, it's always massive news, but car crashes barely make the local paper, do they? Yeah, they just no one. I mean, you just don't see them. Yeah, there's no not because unfortunately we've been numbed to it, um, and people don't like being told not that that, that, they're, that the idea of their car, getting in their car is actually a death trap. Um, yeah, it's, it's you know. Oh, Gareth, anyway, have people started turning off yet? <laughs> no, in, in in fact, we always we've got seventy people watching live right now. People people love it, and we're, we've only got ten minutes. Theoretically, only got ten minutes left, and your time is very precious. So I don't want to overrun too much. But equally, <laughs> everyone always loves it when we overrun because they just like, people seem to enjoy an hour and a half of chatting about a railway subject. <laughs> I mean, I certainly do, so I, I can't complain too much. Um, um, yeah. So sorry. I, I'm just wondering how how far to digress on this slide. Well, you, you can see that you can see the. The levers and probably most people watching know this, but the, the levers operates the points and the signals and the um, the feedback mechanism is those um, block instruments that are on the shelf in front of the uh, the signaler there, um, and trains are announced by a bell. So the thing that where you've got colour lights with the more modern system, so it's uh, it's uh, little needles on dials and bells for the for the old fashioned lever system may we have the next slide please oh yeah certainly oh just before we do if, if it's all right can i ask a question which is how easy would it be for a signaler in front of the mechanical system there so you can see that mechanical signal box how easy would it be for them to transfer to another signal box there are obviously things that are the same but actually is there a huge amount for them to learn if they go to another one like lots of things different i don't know 
I, I, I was reading an accident report in preparation for, for coming on here today. Um, and and it, it does seem that they have very, very individual systems mm. for, um, for each signal box. But at the same time with the COVID situation, they, they've been retraining retired yes. signalers in two weeks. Mm. So, so maybe, maybe not that much. Yeah, I yeah. honestly don't know. It's interesting, wasn't it? So there's, so there, there, uh, yeah. Anyway, right. Next slide. Next slide. Okay. Oh, it's even. Oh, we were talking about uh, Colossus, and we're starting to see. <laughs> Here we go. So that 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 bottom in the bottom in the middle. That's me. I this is this is me in my signalling designer. Hardly ever go out on site. <laughs> really clean PPE. <laughs> um, you know, if you Google engineer, this is something I put in my, my talks for school kids. Mm. You always get someone in a high-vis vest and a hard hat. And that is about me twice a year. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I very rarely leave the office. I do love leaving the office, but um, it, it, it just doesn't really come up. Um, I, I sit in a nice warm office and design things for other people to go out in the cold and rain and scorching sun to... <laughs> to go and install so the thing i'm standing next to there is me with the miniature relays um so so that is um we're well, almost doing of... rabbit ears around miniature at this point yes <laughs> and that is post-war up until the 1980s that that was the the standard system and oh. I, i've done an awful lot of work on those because they're becoming life expired and and a lot of the work i do is renewals yeah so we're we're uh, up, upgrading those um on the left there we have underside of a lever frame and i did a google image search for for these and everybody takes pictures of the lovely picturesque levers in the quaint box but there are very few images of the undersides uh there are there are some on specialist websites but i didn't want to pinch um pinch any copyrighted um yeah. images so that uh, a friend sent me that so that that is literally the sliding metal rods that will lock each other out to stop a train going into a into the path of another train so is that the mechanical interlocking is that what we it call is. that yeah okay. yes um mm. well actually I, I don't know what that's called yeah it's called it's called the the dogs um the do oh, okay but that's uh, but it's a rare view as you say it's a rare view people as you said focus on the levers up top but actually the really interesting if you like the computational stuff, the logic gates are the, the, the things, those, those rods, the sliding rods that do or do not let each other be, yeah. be moved. It's, it's fascinating to see it. And it's, it is that, isn't it? It's logic. It's a, it's a series of logic gates. It just happens to be with big bars of metal rather than a, yeah. a computer brain. Absolutely. And the, the blue on the in top middle there, oh, yeah. um, those boxes hide those sort of, copper metal fingers and that is that can be the interface with um uh the electromechanical so that's going from um purely mechanical to electromechanical and and driving relays with with those fingers ah, uh, so okay. contacts are made made and made and broken as you uh, pull the levers um and on the right there you have um it's a ssi module um, an SSI location and that was I, I did a bit of work on Crossrail and that was before it went over um, out of program um, the bit I was involved with was completely uh, delivered on time right. and that, that is that is a, a very modern um, West Race an SSI 
and that is a, a sort of um, industrial computer that relies on two out of two or um, two out of three voting to. Um, so there's the redundancy in the system, is there? So, so. So you don't get the spinning wheel of death. Yeah. On, yeah. on that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. If, yeah, if the last thing you want to... is a spinning wheel of death of a computer yeah. deciding whether to put a red light in front of a train, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, people sometimes ask, why, why can't we just run this on um, on, a, on a PC? And how many times has your PC crashed? Yeah. Uh, and how many... Uh, do you remember Windows 95 and Windows 97 and Windows 99? And, you know, that is, it's, it's not reliable enough and it... And the other the, fact is, these are going to, as you say, these are going to be sat there for another forty years potentially. So they have to have that. They they have to have the same level of redundancy built in that the kilogram sized miniature relays had. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and, it, and 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 it's yeah. And and so that I suppose that as we've got a more intensive, it's not that there's a quantum more calculation that has to be done as we're running our railway more intensively as well, right? So it's not yeah. just that it's like for like, but these systems are having to do lots more calculations than the old relays had to. Uh, often, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe, maybe have the next slide. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, God, I can't believe it's it's three minutes to eight and I haven't explained the track circuit yet. <laughs> this was um, always going to be the case. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Well, uh, very quickly, very, very quickly. We had a question earlier, which was a really good one. Sorry, everyone. It was three minutes to the hour, but it's fine. Um, we had a question about... So, uh, wrong side failures and signals passed at danger and I, I thought it's worth explaining the difference between those two things because one of those isn't actually a failure it's it's a well, it's a failure on the driver's side rather than a, or i'll let you explain the difference between a wrong side failure and a spad a signal passed at danger um well yes a signal passed at danger is is literally that um and the track circuits or whatever mechanism you've got after the signal um, will will detect that the, the, the train has gone past and that will that will create a uh, hopefully the train has has realized that they've gone through the the red lights and they will have stopped within the overlap because every signal has a 200 yards 180 meter overlap beyond it. To, to take account of the train not stopping. Hmm. So hopefully a SPAD, it can be a wrong side failure, but hopefully we catch it within within the overlap, the 180 meters, and it is a right side, it's a right side failure. Um, and- um, But the wrong side failure is where our signal is showing something, is, is showing, generally it's where it's showing a go, where it should be showing a stop. So a yes. stop where a stop where it should be a go is annoying but not dangerous. A go yes. where it should be a stop is dangerous because you're putting a train where another train might be, right? Yes, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um uh Google Clapham Junction rail crash or a Clapham yes. rail disaster and then you'll find out all yeah. that wrong side failures. Um, right, yeah. okay, conscious of time. Uh, thanks for that, Melly. That was a good that was answering Will's question from ages this ago. Is, this is like being asked. So I sat my driving test in, I think, 1991. What's the stopping distance in the, in the damp <laughs> so at 30 sorry. miles an hour? <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. We're already... Okay. Uh, firstly, right, track... sorry, sorry, Melanie, that we're running over for your, your time as well, but you don't mind, um, you don't mind too no, much, do you? No, I don't. Not at all. Cool. Uh, it's, it's such a privilege to be here. Um, no, the privilege is ours. We're learning many things, and track circuits is going to be the next thing. Yes, so um, track circuits, 
where we are using the rails as part of the circuit. Now, Gareth, what are train wheels called? What's the technical term? Uh, a wheel set. Is the wheel one... set or, or bogey. Or, or the bogey, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Bogies, yeah. Is that, cause, so, is, that, is that the line you use when you're doing for the under 12s where we all yeah, giggle? Because I bet 50% of people watching this now giggled because we've said the word yeah. bogey. She said bogeys, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you want people to remember you, don't you? That's it, yeah. So if you shout bogeys at them, that's a good yeah. way to do it. Um, so the, the track circuit in its most basic form, and um, this hasn't altered very much from Victorian times, except we do it a lot more efficiently now. Um, you, uh, you feed a electrical current through the rails, through the actual permanent way rails that the train is sitting on. And you are, um, so you, you've, you obviously you've chopped your, uh, your P way up with lots of IRJs. Yep. just to annoy the P-Way engineers, and you've, you've made your little block, and you are feeding a current all the way around that block. So at, at one extremity, you're, you're, you've got your power source, and at, at the other end, you've got a relay that you are holding up with that current. So that current is, is going through a little um, magnetic core, and it's holding the relay up. And at that point, you've got no train there. Um, your, your, uh, your track circuit section is clear. Now, when the train comes along, the current finds an easier path through the bogies, and the relay drops because the, the current that was holding it up is suddenly going through the bogies, and the track circuit drops. And that is the most important relay. It's called a, a TPR. Um, and when your TPR drops, you've got a train on the line, and you, your signal is displaying a, a stop or um, one of the other colours that they do yes. that isn't green. Um, because you, that's how you dead reckon where your train is. Okay. Um, what uh, else do I have? To... So uh, it's worth saying. So I, I don't. You might have said IRJs are insulated rail joints. So you can see on the top. In fact, both of these pictures, there's a an arrow pointing to insulated gaps. Uh, in, insulated rail joints are generally a very strong, generally a six hole rather than a four hole fish plate. So the fish plates where you you bang them either side of the. If you're looking down at the rail in plan view, you bang a fish plate either side of the rail bolt it together, but you've got an insulate. Generally, you'll it'll be glued and insulated so that the electricity can't flow from one to the next slide because I've got a picture of one. Oh, amazing. Here is the next slide. Hang on, that's not the next slide. <laughs> oh, have I missed one? Uh, well, maybe, maybe I didn't send it to you. I was doing this rather late at night. Oh, people can search insulated rail joint and there'll be loads of yeah, pictures. Yeah, yeah. Google it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, not really a great thing of beauty, but here, here are some little um, plans that, that I've done um, showing how many little insulated rail joints we put in. And yeah. insulated rail joints are, they're, they're not ideal because am I right in saying they, they weaken the rail and they require maintaining? And... They do, yeah. We don't, like, they're a, they're a weak point. You're introducing a joint. Uh, whenever you do that, you know, we like to have nice, long, continuous rails. Whenever you introduce a joint, it's a weak point. It's a hinge, you know. You, and so we, whilst, you know, modern insulated rail joints where you have six holes rather than four as a traditional fish plate, they're pretty strong. You know, you've got good strength. But in you, if you've got complicated switches and crossing layouts, um, then actually it, you can struggle to fit those six-hole joints in and you end up with four-hole insulated rail joints and they're weak and eventually they break to bits and you need to replace them. So, it, yeah, you're introducing lots of weak points into the into the system. But obviously you yeah. need it to make the railway system work, so it's a compromise. Yeah. On the bottom bottom drawing there, we've got, we've got 
loads and loads of IRJs to make that complicated little piece of um, railway work. Um, so that, that, that's the, the basic DC track circuit. It's um, it's uh, it's adaptable. It works in AC traction settings. Um, it detects broken rails, which used to be a real selling point. Uh, apparently, you used to get hundreds of broken rails um, every year, and it was it was useful to know where they were. Yeah, definitely. Um, but but these days, um, because everything is manufactured to so so much a higher standard with with modern techniques. And of course, the flying banana <laughs> going around checking checking for cracks. They are way down. Um, I, I had someone on the internet guess that there are about 100 a year in the UK now. So that's that's not really a selling point for DC track circuits anymore. Um, they are they're relatively cheap, um, but they only they the shortest. Um, you can you can have them as short as you like. You can break chop up your railway into sections that are just as long as your train. Um, but the longest possible DC track circuit is twelve hundred meters, and that is sort of downhill with a following wind. If you if you want it on um, uh, wooden sleepers in in the wet, seven hundred meters is as good as you'll get. And is that just because of the amount of voltage that get or the amount of current that gets put into the rails? Is that is that essentially what limits that length? Um, it's yes, yeah, it's, it's leakage. So you get a resistance. Um, the, the current leaks out, hmm. and you might not have enough current to to hold to that relay up. Run. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So someone did ask how much voltage uh, or or how much current, uh, I suppose, or both, uh, is actually being put in for this for the for DC track circuits. So what's the voltage of a DC track circuit going through? Um, the they world? generally work. Uh, well, we call them medium voltage. So that is um, between twenty four and fifty okay. volts. Yeah. Um, when I do careers fairs, I have this hulking great piece of um, low voltage railway signaling ca cable, which is like <laughs> <laughs> diameter of a really fat stick of rock. I, <laughs> I just stand there with it and offer people to hold my low voltage railway signaling cable. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're, they're really are quite low voltage um, between 24 and 50 volts. Um and uh, I don't think I've got anything else to say about oh, those. Um, David Shepard has said, is this where we were going to talk about long trains on two blocks? Uh, so one train occupying two single blocks, double blocking. Um, I, I have to hand my ha hold my hands up and say, I don't, I, I'm a grit five designer. I, I don't get involved. <laughs> so, there, so someone had asked um, what happens if, so it, do, what happens if one train uh, start, can fill up two track circuits and, and, um, well, uh, when when you're designing a, a bit of railway, you take into account the longest trains. So someone will have designed the control table for that piece of signalling, and it will be expecting that sometimes you have two a train straddling track circuits. And and of course, when it when it's you know even if you've got really long track circuits, you're you're, you're going to be in two track circuits, aren't you? Because mm. there, there has to be a point where you're. Um, yeah, there'll be a point where you're transitioning between two, and so essentially you're you're blocking two very briefly for the time it takes that train to move over the IRJ. You're blocking two track circuits, right? Yes, and so sometimes if you're sitting on a train, you might think that you've passed a red signal because your your bogies will have passed over the IRJ into the next track circuit. Mm. Um, but uh, it it will um, 
trigger the red and you're passing and, and so the red's showing despite the fact the train is next to the signal at that point yes yeah, yeah. because because it's it's made the it's made it go red to say i'm because it, it was green a minute ago the driver's looking at it green lovely let's go but as soon as you go into the next track circuit it's red yeah. so so person behind can't um can't crash into the back of you yeah and the, and things get fiddly so i was doing some work on a mixed on mixed system of uh so nexus so the time we're metro where they have a certain you know they have signaling their, their own special signaling um combined with allowing network rail or, or allowing heavy rail freight trains to run on it and that was that was a very interesting and complicated signaling chat that i was privy to because i was doing some of the engineering management on it and yeah. um that that they were talking about things like double blocking and uh and all sorts of clever things to treat uh, i mean we could talk for hours about it now i'm sure but i mean things get more complicated than you've shown us in this in the the sort of simple slides here in terms of track circuits can get (laughs) can get fiddly um yeah yeah okay so right uh, there, we've had a few questions about different ways of marking track circuits, but I, I feel like you might answer that one in, in, in a slide to come. So I'll, I'll park that for now. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, um, so we love, we love to put IRJs in and upset the POA engineers. Um, but of course you can have AC track circuits now. And I've got some examples of AC track circuits top right there. Oh, okay. um, so, so th- ah. those re- work on tune zones. So you, you do still need some IRJs to stop the current leaking out um, if you're in an electrified area. Um, and, and where you really, really need to know where the train is within millimetres, you, you still need IRJs because the uh, AC track circuits work on audio frequencies and, and you, you're literally tuning the rails. They're, they're still forming a circuit, mm. but it's an impedance, an impedance and... Um, the bogies of the train still knock it out um, and drop the track circuit. Um, but it, it does have this beautiful thing that you don't have to have IRJs. But the, the, the downside is that it's a bit more floaty and there is, there is a zone of about 20 metres where you might not be sure where the train is. Wow. And often that is not good enough. Mm. So does um, that, is that generally better for rural systems maybe than... Um, you or, know, I don't know. I mean, you can you can make them longer. Longer, they can be up to two kilometres longer. Uh, okay, yeah. I mean, rural. I would say um, you'd want axle counters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because actually, um, you want your blocks to be multiple kilometres long, perhaps. Where, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, although they 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 have a downside as well. Um, they are they're very reliable, but when they go wrong, you have to send someone out to manually reset them and check there's not a thing uh, apart yeah. the train. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there, there are there are about fifty kinds of um, track circuits, and uh, and these, <laughs> these are the the sort of greatest hits of track circuits. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and it's horses for courses. Um, so the, so the one you've got on the top left there are those treadles or axle counters. They're or, axle counters. They're axle counters. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they they're increasingly being used. Um, in, in complex areas. So I think I think traditional track circuits are slowly dying out. Mm. But it's like mechanical signal boxes. They're not dying out that quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There are still I mean still, you know, like seventy percent of the network on traditional track circuits or whatever, who knows? But yeah. like a lot of the, the network is still on the old in fact a lot of the network presumably is still on the old D C track circuits. I and mean, that's is that still the majority system you think in terms of uh block de- separation? Um, I 
every everything I look at has a mixture. Ah, really? Okay, interesting. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, that's true. Because when I'm out on site, obviously, you know, when you go out on track, uh, you have... As part of your briefing, you generally are told what the signaling system is so that you don't trip it if you're pushing a trolley through. So track circuits yeah. is not a big deal. The trolley doesn't matter. If you're if you're with an axle counter, uh, more problematic, you might start send, sending funny messages to places and treadles likewise. So, oh, and treadles are worse because you need to go and find the other one and tap it back out again. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so the, and I have to say, yeah, it's about a mix. I think it's probably about 50-50 that I've seen of, of a mixture of axle counter counters and but that's not the overall, overall network that's just in my small little sample size of what gareth dennis has been out and looked at um yeah. anyway right okay so so okay let's, yeah, so let's got, move on yeah let's move on because crikey we, you we, could you could fill up a presentation or an hour with any of these topics yeah um you really could uh oh that that's my IR, there's uh, the irj did i just get the slide order wrong that might be my fault sorry I, it's probably my fault um anyway there, there is there is one that is a um uh a in situ formed four hole uh, fish plated IRJ. It's not bad. Uh, there we go. You can make that on site nice and easy, but it's not shock glued, which means it's not quite as good as one that's been manufactured off site and then brought in as a single piece. Yeah, you can see they've got their massive spanner there tightening yeah, up yeah, the, that's uh, it, yeah. Um, and, and the top, uh, top right there, we've got um, something from the, the train detection handbook, which is showing you. Um, an example where you you might need IRJs, you might need to exactly precisely know where your train is, and not have it past the the clearance point or the yeah. fouling point. You you might want it. You got to have it resting. I think it's um 1,766 millimeters away, so it doesn't you, you the train coming through won't strike the train yeah, waiting yeah, exactly, to yeah. to come onto the next line. So IRJs, I'm afraid, are, are necessary. There's always a need for them. You know, always have, always wanting to muck around with the P-Way. But frankly, it's a compromise I'm willing to make if it avoids us bumping trains into each other when they're uh, converging on a, a junction. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think we'll just gloss over all this all this complicated stuff at the bottom. <laughs> this, this is some bonding, and this is something I've done a lot of in the last five years. Um, and it's, it is almost as complicated as it looks. This is how we um, differentiate the signal that is detecting where your trains are from your, your track circuit with one set of rails and taking your traction current back to where it's come from, your, your high voltage, 25,000 volts, back through the rails. This is always um, the, this is the black magic that really, whenever I think about track circuits, uh, this is the bit that always stumps me, which is that, yeah, you've got return current from the, the traction system and you've got a current within the within for the signaling system as well and how they interact and that's how you and you bought oh, anyway yeah so yeah and what one of one of those will very much kill you the other one yeah. will do your fingernails won't it um yeah so so that that's what i've been working on trying to get the, the traction current to work with, with the signaling system yeah yeah so uh, um shall we go the, yeah do you want to pop yeah please the, do please do yeah. yeah cool ah okay right level crossings mm. oh my words <laughs> with a system a system for um so level crossings are the most dangerous thing on the railway network and we are not allowed to have any new level crossings because they are so dangerous and there are about three thousand incidents unsafe incidents on uk level crossings every year they're a flaming nightmare mm. um, get, get rid of them all please yes 
yeah, have a have a nice. You could do the Dukes of Hazard as I've um, <laughs> illustrated there, or maybe a tunnel or a bridge. Depends depending trebuchet on trebuchet would be good. A trebuchet <laughs> would potentially be safer. Yeah. Um, God, I I, I I don't think we've got time to talk about. It. I I don't have anywhere to be, but I, I'm I'm actually bored of the sound of my own voice. Um, <laughs> well, no one else is. Everyone's loving it. But I, I agree. I mean, we could talk about level crossing for hours. So yeah. So I, I suppose yeah. Tell us tell us about. Well, there's a picture of you stood next to something marked Honeywell. Um, yes, that is that is um, about ten years ago. That was supposed to be the the thing that was going to get rid of. Um, the person in the signal box. Oh, actually, I'm going to get rid of our faces so that we can see both because hopefully your sound will still work because uh, my face and your face are in front of your other face in the picture. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm going to uh, go for this. There we are. There I am. Um, can you guess what the tic-tac is? Other... Oh, I said it now. It's a tic-tac. It's a giant oh, tic-tac. Yeah, it's a giant tic-tac on a stick. Uh, and it's, it's vandal-proof, and if you were to hit that with a hammer... It would the hammer would bounce back in your face. <laughs> that's, that's good. So no no hitting it with hammers, kids. That's, that's um, and advice. we installed one of those at a level crossing in South Wales. And inside it is a it's a radar, so it's detecting anything yeah. that might derail a train. So that is something that is um, I think half a meter by half a meter cube made of metal. So a car is obviously well within that, and it, and it does a very good job. It can detect a car or a floating metal cube going through the level crossing. Um, and the difficulty was that we had to we had to make it work with a little LIDAR, a complementary system. Um, and that, that's where the diagram bottom right comes in of the small person lying on the floor. The, the LIDAR had to detect um, the smallest centile nine-year-old child that had fallen down on, on the level crossing. Mm. So, so both systems had to agree, but the lidar was very, very sensitive to crisp packets, um, yeah. leaves, coffee cups, um, and and we had a hell of a time. I think our, our testers were down there for months trying to trying to get the two systems to work together. Um, and, uh, going so through. When I was at Atkins, um, I uh, did a fit. I did a, worked on quite a few level crossings, and I remember the the lidar system. Being a being problematic, valid like getting the lidar system. To, I think they were trialing it on a few sites. Um, one of the level one of the level crossing gurus I know is a man called Phil Askey, um, and uh -huh. and he and he he's sort of one of the he, he worked for British Rail and he's sort of one of the he, he's very good at level crossings and he and he said that the systems are good but that, that it's just one of those situations where you have complicated systems all talking to each other and and I think. Um, yeah, it was hard getting the, the LIDAR to not just close the railway all the time. Yeah, <laughs> it was like a really officious, um, sarcastic robot in, um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, any, any number of sci-fi. Uh... Yeah, you've, you've got, yeah, you've got, um, oh, I've, I've had a mind blank too. I was trying, is it Marvin? Do I want to say Marvin? Yeah, Marvin, yeah. That'll do. Hitchhiker's yeah, depressed. It, Mar Marvin, Marvin was really annoyed at the, the doors on the Heart of Gold. That's it, the, exactly. The doors kept offering him cups of coffee and... Uh, <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Uh, so um yeah level crossings uh, anyway there are, there are about 100 of those lidars um sorry those lidar obstacle detectors yep in the uk but I, i'm not sure if if, it, if they're ongoing and there are there are new systems coming in all the time because yeah this is so hopefully take the the error out of the system mm. and just very quickly i'll tell you about the the signal box on the left there that's um Ooh. 
uh, a place called Tramin, uh, which is in the Welsh Marches, and we did a job for um, Network Rail after the Morton on Lug um, accident, yes. which, which is a, an absolutely tragic um, human error, where uh, the the guy operating the signal box had been on the phone to a farmer on his user work crossing, and had been the farmer was very keen to take some sheep over over the level crossing. And the signal is saying, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure you've got time before the train. And can you ring me back in five minutes? And the farmer rang back. And, and basically, the guy's been too distracted by this guy wanting to get his sheep over the line. Because, you know, we're all in a hurry, even sheep farmers. Um, and he imagined, he thought the train had gone. And he raised the barriers and the train had not gone. And the train unfortunately ploughed into two cars and someone lost their life. Um, mm. So absolutely tragic accident. So we were asked to come up with a solution to ensure that the interlocking would not let you raise those barriers until the train had passed. So we, we fitted treadles on six level crossings in the area to make sure that that never happens again. Yeah. So it's, it's once again taking the human. The human still got their job. But it's just one one fewer mistake that they can possibly make. Yeah, yeah, and and, and it's it's interesting because I didn't I didn't realise how many level crossings didn't have treadle protection, um, but there there are quite a few. I mean, I don't I don't want to put a number on it, but so I did I've done level crossings jobs uh, down near Great Malvern, and I've done level crossing jobs up in on the Settle Carlisle line, and. There were, and there were some that I, some had treadle, so treadle where you've got a little ticker, it just counts the number of axles in and counts the number of axles yeah. out. Very yeah. straightforward. Um, but I didn't realise there were so, so many that didn't have that protection in place and it relied entirely on the signaller in the box. It's, yeah, which feels, yeah, in today's day and age, that feels like a crazy thing to do. Like, there's no protection for that worker who might, yeah. who, as you say, is being distracted by things happening all at once. Invariably, the moment when it's in, when the, the accidents happen because everything's happened at once and this is what happened at at uh, Morton. Yeah. yeah. So, um, right, shall we pop on to the next slide? Yes, please, yeah. Um, oh, oh, right. I see vehicle envelopes. I see gauging. This is this is exciting. You put this one in just special. No, you haven't. That's... Well, actually, actually um, um, I, I didn't know that you were into gauging, but th this I mean, that's is... that's a strong um... way to describe it, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, this, I just threw this in because it was a really lovely little job I did, I did last year. Um, one of the frustrating things about being a signal engineer is you, you very rarely get to be really good at something because there's such an enormous variety. Mm. I mean, um, but th this was a lovely one. This is in Heathrow Tunnels. And if you can see on the left, there's a fibre optic uh, banner repeater signal. So the, the, the tunnel's slightly curved and the driver cannot see the red signal or the green signal around the curve. So they put these banner repeaters in. Mm. Um so that the driver knows that there's a red signal coming up around the corner and they, they have to stop, start slowing their train down. Um, and it, it seemed like such an easy thing to do. These the signals, as you can see on the right, they're 30 or 40 years old. And the, um, the worry was that they've run out of spare parts. They've cannibalized every last one they can get their hands on. Um, nobody's making them anymore. And they, they just wanted to replace those little signals up on those shelves. And actually, when you consider all of the things that a signal has to do, it has to it has to have a, a range that is hundreds of meters and it has to be, I don't know, 30, 30 centimeters square. You can, you can see on the little um, 
envelope drawing there. Um, on the on the left, there is a a bracket. That is how far um, your the um, you that's how much you got to play with. Yeah, you, you've much. only got a very few centimeters, mm. and most signals size size isn't really a problem. They're like the size of a television. Yeah. Um, and the, the smaller ones, they don't have the range required because these Heathrow Express trains are going pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, in the end, I I worked out that we could, by just adjusting the eye level slightly, because a committee has to go out. and um, Signal sighting committee, yeah. Signal sighting committee. And they have representatives from you know, signaling engineers, train drivers, um the train operating companies and everybody has to decide that the, that is a suitable position for the signal and the dr- driver's eye level height is a, is a really crucial dimension um but i worked out that if we if we got a bigger one and stuck it slightly lower and slightly in we could we could get it in mm. um but i i i just, I just love that they ca- they can't just go and buy an off-the-shelf one because it's, it's such a specialist piece of equipment. Um, I suppose I shouldn't love that, but it, it keeps me in a job. Yeah. I, um, uh, yeah the, the, so the bit of signalling kit that I have, particularly on the southern region, um, it, the bit of signalling kit that I have the most trouble with um, not hitting uh, is, is the MARI, the multi-aspect route indicator. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's basically a box that you think is quite small, and then actually you measure it, and it's like 250 mil by like 400 mil or something like that, yeah. which is quite big, uh, particularly when it's in the middle of a very narrow six foot, so that's the bit between the two tracks, on yeah. a really tight curve on the approach to Portsmouth Harbour. Um, which and they've got these things sat on top of the ground signal. So you've got a ground signal, a conventional, you know, the sort of three dot yeah. thing, and then the box, this this Mari, this box sat on top that just annihilates the gate. So you can see the bottom corner of this uh, kinematic envelope on this screen. Yeah. Um, here, well, if, if you've got, I'm going to do pens now. Here we are. If you've got a multi-aspect route indicator that kind of looks like this. Yeah. Can't my, you use a smaller train? Well, this is people. It's, it's, this is they're like, oh, can you not use a smaller train? Like, well, I, I can try. So, yeah. and the, this thing basically just says off. Yeah. Pretty, pretty much all it's there for is to say the word off. There's my dreadful sketch. And um, but they're yeah. always just in the way. Uh, and so we've been pl- we were playing with moving them and putting them in front of or behind. And to do that involved such a complex process. I mean, rightfully so, because it's an important part of the protection for operating the the railway. But um, yeah, the signal sighting committee for that was was pretty rigorous well this all feeds into why is it so difficult um and why is it so expensive it's just because it is difficult and expensive because you've got a lot of things to think about Mm. if you don't want to kill someone yeah exactly it's yeah it's it's a huge the railway is a hugely complex system and every little change you make has a knock-on effect and and getting the right people in the right place to understand what those knock-on effects are is is challenging you have to train these people and we have a chronic engineering shortage, so that means it takes more time because everyone's got everyone's got a full email inbox. They're at yeah. meetings all day and don't have time to actually do the day job, and yeah. uh, and no one's and no no new or not nearly enough new engineers are getting trained. No, we we need um, UK engineering needs two hundred thousand more a year. <sighs> it's just it's an inconceivably large number of people. Two hundred thousand new engineers in the, across the engineering yeah. sector. It's just um, staggering. 
can I can I can I just do a shameless bit of self publicity oh, here? Yes, I, I, I won. Um, I, no, I didn't win. I was runner up, uh, Rail Engineer of the Year 2018. Amazing. <laughs> um, I, I, it is amazing, and it is flaming brilliant. But I won, or I didn't win. I I, I was amazed. I got I got second place. I, you know, proper engineer got first place. You're but a it's because I do a lot of a lot of outreach work, mm. and I could I could happily go and stand in a school hall every once a week, um, and and still have requests to to go and um, talk to people and do events, because um, you you can't you can't be what you can't see. Absolutely, and, yeah, and I couldn't put it better. I, I I don't imagine I don't imagine many eleven sixteen year olds are watching this, but. Uh, <laughs> But people's parents are, and it's the parents and the teachers that you've got to get at. You've got to you've got to sow this idea um, when, when your teenager is saying, "Well, I'm, I'm not sure what I want to do." You, you say, "Well, have you considered a career on the railway?" Absolutely. So everybody watching this, if you if you've got children that don't have a direction yet, bear it bear it in mind. It's um, it's you're pushing at an open door. We we absolutely need younger engineers. Absolutely. Because we're getting old. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's. We're all. Yeah, I mean, we're just. We're all overworked. I mean, you, I, I say you could write a blank check to do everything the railway needs tomorrow. The government could literally write the the, the railway a one trillion pound check, and we would deliver everything pretty much at the speed we are now because the the shortage isn't money. Um, yeah. I mean, the fact that money doesn't exist is a discussion for another day. But yeah. the shortage is engineers. We, we, we're doing as much as we can already. We're all, if you look at the overtime sheets of all the signaling engineers across the country, you'll see how short we are of signaling engineers. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Right. What's what is the next? What's the next slide? I, I what, think that's go, the end. I think that's the end. Ah, so if I go to do this, yeah, it is. It is the end. Oh, that's kind of sad. Melly, that's been that's been so good. We've run horribly over time as ever. <laughs> Um, it's been so good. That's been really terrific. We've covered a lot of ground there. <laughs> um, I, I feel I've done I've done justice to nothing, and I think I think a lot of people are going to be tweeting you saying oh, I think she got this little bit wrong. No. But I, I hope that is like uh, introduction to railway signalling, and I'd be very happy to answer any queries and do some googling if you've got any questions. Yeah, we've got. Um, we've to be honest, we've got. Most people are quite content, I think. We haven't got any... Or could the specialist kit Melanie was talking about be designed to be manufactured on a print-on-demand basis? Um, it has to go through product approval. So yeah. I, did, I did look at this, and I, I was in touch with a couple of the major manufacturers, and the price is just through the roof. It's, it's um, tens of thousands of pounds um, yeah. to, to get product approval on something. Yeah, um, so it's often referred to as the bane of the industry is the fact that you've got to get through product approval for any new giz gizmo or gadget. Uh, thanks for the question, by the way, David Shepard. But the, the, it's just as we've just been saying, everything has to work. It has to show that it will work as long as it says it will work, that it won't interfere with all the other bits of kit. So the product approval process, we can't just get rid of it because then you'll have all the problems that that process is designed to avoid, which is, you know, technology getting in the way of other technology and so on yeah. and so forth. Um, yeah. Good Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, David. Good question. What else we got? Uh, doo -doo 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 -doo. Oh, everyone's making the normal joke of if you've got two engineers, of course it's normal to overrun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has <laughs> uh, anyone asked about leaves on the line? <laughs> no one's mentioned leaves on the line. Although every time I am late for putting a video up, someone makes a leaves on the line joke. Uh, Michael, uh, sorry, Ben has said that um, got the six, got the sixteen-year-old daughter to to watch this one. Um, 
says that Gareth definitely looks like a Gareth. Uh, I don't know. That's a compliment, I, right? I, mm, yeah. Uh, but she's not convinced about their career in rail yet. Well, we just have to do. We'll just have to do another one and keep convincing. Well, yeah. Fo- follow the money. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, yeah oil. <laughs> if, if an interesting, rewarding career where you get to tell a load of people what to do isn't up your street, then maybe the money. The <laughs> yeah, money's not bad. The money, honestly. particularly in sig- the money is much better in signaling than in P-way, Everyone, if you want to make money in the railways, become an S and T engineer. Um, right. Uh, that's right. Okay. So I think we. Considering where we've gone time-wise, which is horrendously overrun, and Melanie has very kindly hung around for an hour and a half uh, or more, because we've been on the call for a quarter of an hour before that as well, let's, without further ado, go back to um, go back to here and say thanks everyone for uh, for following um, as ever. A pleasure uh, on the podcasts. So iTunes, Spotify, Heal. Thanks very much indeed. Google and the other one. Um, so thanks for listening. Hopefully we described this well enough. Give feedback. Um, the, oh, the, the adverts are uh, that next week uh, it's a bit of a David Dr. David Turner uh, and Rail Natter crossover uh, no pun intended honest um, I'm, in, I'm on the transport tavern on Monday evening talking about um, continuity and change so how the railway how practice has changed over time and how history has informed what I do nowadays as a rail engineer so kind of relevant on what we've talked about a lot in fact a lot of what we've covered today Melanie actually is a, how it, everything is fed from the past we learn everything has been fed by some change some problem some accident in the past um yeah so that should be good and then likewise next rail matter is the one that a lot of people have been asking for so we've done two of the biggies signaling was like the number one thing everyone wanted to hear about which is great and number two is beaching so we're going to talk all things beaching and i've got dr david turner joining to uh to sort of add some historical context to some of the things i'm going to say about beaching so Enough about the adverts. Join us next week for that rail natter. Um, obviously, I give my Patreon plug, um, but also go and follow um, Melanie on Twitter, Miss Melanie Osborne, um, for all sorts of this sort of stuff. Insights galore, lots of STEM stuff, which is really good. Um, uh, yeah, this is where you get to vote on future nat- rail natter themes, but you know, quite enough about that. Uh, Melanie, thank you so much for an absolutely smashing rail natter. That's been brilliant. Uh, oh, well, thank so you much. for having me. It's, it's such a privilege to come and talk about something I really, really enjoy. It's, it's, yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad that, um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm glad that we're starting to get some, some, some learning out. I'm, I'm learning things. Everyone's learning things. Um, and when, when we move on to like detailed ETCS and ERTMS, we'll, we'll be getting you in for a reevaluation, and, and, and uh, we can cover some of that. No, no, it's been brilliant. That's been really good. Thanks everyone for, for watching. Uh, it's been a good fun one. Lots of questions, lots of chatter. We've had like 100 people watching this one live, which is great. Um, it only remains for Melanie and I to say um, thanks and cheerio. Uh, yeah. <laughs> cheerio, cheerio. Bye, thank bye, you. Bye, bye, bye.